Welcome to Digitation Scholars Conversations. I'm your host, Jeff Yan. In this episode, you will hear part two of my conversation with Kathleen Borby, Professor of Business Administration at Monroe Community College in New York. More links and information about today's conversation can be found on Digication's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Full episodes of Digication Scholars Conversations can be found on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. I, I think it's really great to sort of catch you at this moment where you are still pretty fresh with, you know, portfolios and, you know, it wasn't that long ago before you were just getting started. Did you have any sort of just reflecting on this year? Any sort of surprises or things that you expected to happen and didn't happen or, um, you know, things that all the other way around or things that happened that you just kind of like bullseye, you had it all. <laughs> right. Well, um, you know, I whenever you kind of jump in with something brand new, you know, I thought, OK, you know, let's let's see how we're going to embrace this. And uh there are, I figured there's, like with anything in an academic environment, there's always going to be students that struggle and there's always going to be students that, you know, kind of run away with it and go, oh my God, I, I, I've got this, I've got this. So there was some of that which did not surprise me. So, um, and with the individuals who struggled, uh, we now have um, an individual uh, that has been named as the faculty student support. That's a huge step for us to go to just for this one year. Because I, as a faculty member, I was essentially campus support. Um, I literally, I did. I literally went to every single class in the fall, because that was our very first semester, to introduce ePortfolios in the classroom and to demonstrate it, to bring it up, to demonstrate it to the students so that they could feel comfortable with it and to start, you know, creating step-by-step instructions. But now we're starting to get, you know, that's a huge step. We're starting to get some structure around that. It'll be a lot easier going forward. One of the things, though, that I was very surprised, delighted at, really, um, in my 200-level courses, uh, when I said to them, all right, you need to do this e-portfolio as a professional e-portfolio. I laid out the guidelines very specifically, what I wanted them to do. I had a template and I said, it, it doesn't have to be lockstep. If there's a tab you don't want, that's fine. You could add something, that's fine. But these are the things that must be included. There was a core that had to be included. I was amazed at the results I got. The student portfolios were incredibly creative, really creative. And and some of the students, you know, said, oh, you know, do I have to do this just for me? I have a small business. Can I do it for my business? I'm like, yes, 100% do it. And they were like, Oh my God, this is great. I'm going to be able to give this URL to people, put it on my business card as a QR code. And this is what I do. And they'll be going right to my e-portfolio. I'm like, yes, you got it. So having those light bulbs go off, having them realize, 
oh, wow, this is amazing. And I had one student who's like, you know what? I'm really not ready to do an e-portfolio for myself. I just, I'm, I'm not comfortable with it yet. However, I'm on this um, organization on campus called Cabbages and Kings. It would, it's a student-run magazine, and they publish an incredible book every year. Can I do an e-portfolio for them? I said, absolutely. Just, yeah, whatever. Oh, my God. It, it, that took my breath away because then, and we show that all the time saying, folks, look at this. Every one of our campus organizations could have their own e-portfolio. And people say, oh, what are you all about? Well, here's what we're all about. He had samples of prior publications, um, things they sell, pictures of the um president, vice presidents of the organization. It was, it was amazing. So we really just without, by not putting fences, if you will, kind of around the e-portfolio assignment, we found that the, the creativity was tremendous. And, and we, and was like, yeah, we're going to push this now. We're going to push organizations to do this. So it was, it was it was great fun. It really was great fun. And as soon as we had those, that first semester of students, well, my goodness, then we could show the spring semester of students, hey, look what other students have done so far. And they were very impressed and thought, oh, okay, a little peer pressure, never hurts anybody. Um, and so they thought, okay, or they, I would say, now you don't have to do this. And so when you say to somebody, you don't have to do this, demonstrates the stuff, but this is what I want. As soon as you say you don't, then they say, hmm, but I want to. So tell me how to do that again. The fancy stuff, the background pictures, the foreground pictures, the, the trans, the, the, you know, translucent kind of picture on picture. So again, it's kind of a subtle challenge that you give them. And so it's like, oh, she doesn't want us to do this. Well, then I want to. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds, it's, I mean, look, it's definitely sounds fun, It which is something that um, I feel like that it's a, a criteria that is way undervalued I mean, the in especially in a in a in a college environment, you know, there are times where, um, actually, I th I I would argue that for many people, the criteria, the metric, fun is not at all considered when they're thinking about you know their student learning. Um, oftentimes, I mean, I I don't hear it often, really. You know, like if it happens to be great, if you you happen to be, a, I mean, Kathleen, look, you you are obviously a fun person to be around, so it just comes out naturally. But you know, like when one were to, to talk about, like, let's revamp our gen ed uh, curriculum, or let's revamp our business, you know, administration and curriculum, fun was not really, you know, going to be one of the the main criteria. Yet I believe, really, very honestly, that. Fun is really a um, 
a um, an other way to a more direct way to for people to think about engaged learning, which by the way is huge. You know, people always talk about how do I engage my students, how do I engage my students, but they forget that sometimes just a little bit of fun can do it. You know, a- absolutely. Uh, you know, sometimes you know you you feel morally obligated, obviously, to cover certain content you have to you know there's certain vocabulary when you get out of this course you have to at least remember these things but sometimes i would in the middle of a lecture i would just look at them and nobody was listening and i'm thinking (laughs) okay i would just like turn off the computer all right you know what we're just going i'm going to throw out a couple of questions and about your project, about your e-portfolio, and I'm going to give extra credit to, you know, get in your teams, do this. And I would just stop, stop right in the middle of a lecture and go, here's what we're going to do. Um, And I just had to do that, getting them talking to each other. I got more work out of them than just having them listen to me. So, and I'm going to continue to do that, especially with the students that, you know, we've gotten lately, the new students, the first year students that have literally just coming out of three years of the pandemic, you know, they, they didn't have the opportunity to talk to their classmates and to be in live teams those couple of years in high school. And so they really missed out on a lot of that socialization. And so when you really encourage that in in some way, force it, um, all of a sudden, it opens up a whole world of possibilities to them that they really haven't been thinking about the last three years, because they have been in their sort of own myopic world. And now it's like, no, this is really important. You need to talk with each other. And, you know, so I, I think that's so important. And I know even in my reflections of, I always made them do reflections on the projects. So with the portfolios, I thought, all right, you've done this whole project. I know you felt it was tedious. Okay. But I'm not going to make you write a reflection because that seems like a punishment to me writing a reflection after you've just done this written report. So I want you to do a video reflection and just be real, just like we're doing here, you know, and just tell me how did you feel about the course? What was the difficult parts? What were the easier parts? What did you struggle with? I kind of gave them an outline of what they could talk about. But, and again, they, for a minute thought, oh, how do I do this? I think you can do it. You can do it. And, you know, if you don't like your first recording, record it again. I only want two minutes. You know, it's really easy. So, and they, remarkably, they did a great job. They did a great job. So they thought, all right, I, I yeah. I think that's that's awesome. I like, I really like the idea. Um, I'm seeing it more and more now that people are saying exactly what you said. They don't want to the students to feel like, oh, what used to be one paper now is two papers. Right. That stuff 
that that really sucks. <laughs> you it know? does. Um, whereas when you're saying, "Hey, look, let's now make this second part to be something that would be a completely different experience. Right. You try something out new, and most likely they enjoy it at the end. You know, and that's that's pretty. It's a way for them to also be creative, or maybe get out of the that that model that they were stuck at. You know, because right. they were thinking so much about. This is like an academic, you know, assignment, a project that is handed in is going to be graded. Then right. they, they can get out and do something else, which make that reflection, which I feel like is so important. And you really make that a fun part of the learning experience. It, um, ex- yes. Awesome. Yeah, exactly. And of course, and that's a perfect um feed into ePortfolios connecting to service learning because as part of the service learning process, you need to reflect on what you've done. And so that's, they just fit so hand in hand. As you mentioned earlier, um, these hips are really more like a Venn diagram. They do not stand alone. One feeds into the next. And, and uh, you know, I'm always encouraging um my colleagues is like, well, you could do this and then you could have any portfolio. And some people get overwhelmed thinking, oh my God, I have to do this and this and this in my class. I said, once you get it go, it just think of it as just part of the con part of your course, part of the content. Don't think of it as being something else on top of or in addition to. Just make it part of how you do your course, not an addition to your course. And I think that's the most important thing. Well, that's really well said. By the way, I want to go back to one more thing that you talked about earlier. I love that you were telling us about the whole, you know, students, you know, either already making the connection with, well, for my my business, for my project, for this and that, I can build a portfolio too. This is a great way to communicate and express myself. And then the, one thing that I have, and then the whole, you know, the, the, the publication, you know, project, I love that. And one, something that I have found recently that I think it's actually over the pandemic that I have discovered this and, and really come to or try to understand it. And that is, there are people, there are situations where, um, whether I think you had specifically said, hey, this student said, I don't think I'm ready for a personal portfolio yet, but I'm ready for this, right? There are people in situations where I think that it's not so much about whether they're ready for it. Some people may actually, in some ways, leapfrog the, the need for having a personal portfolio. And instead, their, so to speak, personal portfolio is is this project? Is this service? Is this brand? Is this, um, you know, um, uh, passion that they might have? So uh, we have had some um, students actually be on this um, Education Scholars mm-hmm. conversations before, who they spent their capstone project doing this these amazing projects, and in these portfolios they never talk about themselves. Like very rarely, they, it's just all about their research and their projects and the passion about that one topic. Yes. Um, but what's crazy cool is that when the employer sees that, they are even more impressed 
than if they saw some kind of profile. Because they look at it like, I'm imagining right now the student that did the, you know, the public, the annual publication that mm-hmm. we were talking about. We should go find that and post that URL in the in the show notes so people can see it. Um, that an employer could look at it and go, oh, wow, you mean you organized this publication? Right. Like that's the person that we're looking to hire right now. Exactly. I really don't even need to see what degree, what courses, what other, you know, like those those things that, you know, it's almost like the next version of, you know, you know, show and don't tell. This is not even just showing. This is it. This is me. You know, and 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 they can see it and they, they can say, You're ready. I can you can take on this job today because I've seen another thing that you did, which is exactly what I want. I just wish our name was on it. <laughs> <laughs> it, it it is it's a it's a remarkable e-portfolio and and you're absolutely right a picture is worth a thousand words once you start going down this e-portfolio path you just don't ever want to go back because you think how in the world can somebody hire somebody by just now reading a resume as opposed to to looking at an e-portfolio either about themselves or about something that they've done or a project that they have been involved with because it speaks volumes about that person and really shows you what they're capable of. It's almost like uh, you're seeing what you're getting before you get it. I mean, you hope you get the right person when you hire somebody in the old you know, the old fashioned way of just using a paper resume. But with e-portfolios, you're thinking, okay, I really have a sense of, you know, who I'm hiring. I really have a sense yeah. of their capabilities, their their passions, and what they're going to bring to the table. Yeah. I think that, that um, hiring today uh, – uh, at least in most industries, I think there are still some industries where skills is the sort of the 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 only thing that matters a lot because it's maybe the skill you know the type of skills are very very specialized right. and you can't find a lot of candidates and that's it and you you take you find the right skills you hang on to it you know but for many industries I mean all the businesses that you were talking about you know from construction to mm-hmm you know, publishing something, let's say, right? Um, the students that go out to the world to look for jobs and look for, you know, career opportunities, um, the people that but could potentially be hiring them, they really are looking for very multifaceted, you know, aspect of a, of that person. It's a culture, cultural fit. It's, you know, it's it's where your heart is or your passion, you know, all of that combined, isn't it? Absolutely. Going back to my son's company, that's because they're constantly looking for good people in hiring. Mm-hmm. And yes, it's a very, it's a skilled industry. They want, they're looking for specific skills, but he'll say, more importantly, if I get the right person, I get the right team member. I get the person who's buying into our culture. If we feel that it's a personal fit, we will, we'll train that person because we can't, 
train the personality. (laughs) Well, we can hire that and we can train the skill. So it'd be nice if they had certain skills, but if we will err on the side of getting the right person for our culture. They're all about that because they've done it the other way and it's not worked out. Yeah. And we, we have found that here at Digication as well. There are, there are all kinds of, um, it's actually really interesting. Um, some parts of our hiring process, especially for programmers, you know, uh-huh. we, we do, you know, it's a tough process. You know, they have to oh, go yes. through, they have to go through a lot of uh, hurdles and we have made, actually make them do some coding, you know, just to show us, you know, what they can do. But you know what, oftentimes they don't know is that we are assessing every interactions that we have with them. We're assessing whether or not how often they're emailing us or contacting us, how, and, and you were talking about writing, mm-hmm. you know, like what type of language they use. It's not because on the day-to-day basis, once people get hired into our company, we're pretty casual, like internally. We'll be like, because we have like chats and stuff like that, you know, it's, you know, we're, we're not having to write paragraphs all the time. Right. But we need to know the kind of person who can read the room enough to say you're in the interviewing process or you're in the hiring process, you know, don't shorthand your your communication and do emojis and, 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 and just, and just be professional, you know? And if we, we don't think that you are able to make that decision as just a level-headed person, read the room, understand what, you know, what the situation is and act accordingly, then there's, it shows us the kind of personality this is, right? Um, and there are other people who, and I, and I, this happens, Kathleen, that I, I, I don't understand it. We, as part of our process, we do have a, a little, we allow people to put in the portfolios and we have a little survey for them that talks about, you know, hey, do you have examples of work you want us to see? You know, mm-hmm. all of that. And, um, and, and this is not once, but multiple times there would be people filling out just simply said, no, 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 down to all the questions. And they thought that their resume, which has the, the programming language or whatever, you know, the technology that we're using, and they'll say 10 plus years of this, this, and that. And we're looking at it, we're going, you're not even going past round zero, <laughs> you know? Right. Like, you, you, you have, there's not going to be a fit here, no matter what. We don't care how skilled you are at this. Right. People, I mean, there may be people that have been in an industry for years and years, uh, but if they're not willing to embrace a new technology for change, it's like, no, I know how to do this. I'm, I'm quite skilled. Yeah, but the world is constantly changing, going back to change. Um, so uh, you've got to, it's like, yeah, bring it on, you know, sure. We have to learn that. Okay. You know, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, very important to hire the right person. And I think that certainly e-portfolios can be the first step in helping companies really start to interview the right people. Now, speaking of change in technology, um, 
I, I'd love to get your take on some of this because in higher education and education in general, we are faced with all kinds of issues all the time, right? You right. know, like we've had, you know, diversity equity issues. We've had, um, we've had, you know, the cost of, you know, a higher education, yeah. the value of higher education. Um, perhaps most recently in this last year, no one can escape the AI conversation um, the, and, and the potential impact of that. Um, do you have any thoughts on that, on especially AI? Because I'd really love to get your take on it um, and your perspectives with, with your history. Well, that's interesting that you asked me that because I, um, you know, I've been thinking a lot about it and, you know, how I'm going, I am actually currently restructuring some of my written assignments because I do the writing intensive. Um, and I'm, I've been working with chat GPT uh, to see how an essay, I'll say, you know, I need to have an essay written about this, 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 and I'll see what comes out. And then I'm going to have my students rewrite it or analyze what the AI tool did. So it's thinking, oh, okay. Uh, so I, we're not, it's going to be a tool that is going to be part of our lives, just like Zoom with the pandemic is forever part of our world. AI is going to be forever part of our world. Saying that, you know, we're not going to use it is just being ridiculous. And so embrace it, em embrace it. Um, again, I make the analogy because I work with my son so much. It's a company that I also do um, some pro bono consulting with. Uh, they're looking at various aspects of their business. They're, again, small business. They're trying to organize things, really get things down so there's no gray area. And they're making process manuals for finance, for operations, for pre-construction. So we were using AI and we we're asking all this stuff, give me a list of all the stuff. And he was so impressed thinking, wow, this is great. He's, I, I won't, we don't use this, we don't use this, we don't use, but it gives you a jumping off point. And so from, and it can make you much more um, productive, professional, uh, you know, by saying, okay, now this has got me started. It's like any other project we have, whether it's a project around the house, we're painting our house, we're doing this, we're doing that. Once you get started on a project, it's like, okay, I'm rolling. And I think AI can help us get started on things and then we can take that and make it our own, right? So that's kind of where I am. And I, you know, I'm going to embrace it with my students. And, um, and so they can't just say, have an AI tool, write my essay. I'm also giving them, um, very current topics, like something that happened yesterday in the city uh, that the AI engine can't look at, but I'll say, all right, so if you think you can do this with AI, go go ask ChatGPT to give you an essay on this particular incident and, and see if it works for you. And I'm, I'm kind of just restructuring everything, kind of trying to make it fun and say, oh, she knows what we're doing. Okay. So that's where I am with it. 
I think it's really smart. And also there's a, a great deal of, um, I think it's really interesting. I mean, you talked so much about your passion in writing intensives mm-hmm. right? and the ability to write. And in some aspect of what is going to no doubt happen in our near future even is that um, some, some, some part of the process of writing will be replaced by AI. No we will end up doing a lot of writing by having the machine do some of the writing already. Mm-hmm. But the the real job now is for you to be able to uh, interpret that and being able to critique it and to be able to think further, you know, than what the AI was able to to give you. Right. And I think that that's really what. Um, that's a very realistic description, at least in the middle of 2023, you know, what where AI is right now, right? That, you know, if you're a business like your son's business, like many other businesses in the world, um, taking advantage of what the AI has to offer is, is, is not at all, um, it, it'd be silly not to, right? Absolutely. You'd be, you'd be, you'd be, Doing something strange to not um, right. make take advantage of the efficiency that it, it provides you with. No question um, about it. But but the human part of it, you know, has a lot to do with exactly what you just said, which is, hey, look, you know, we can ask them a question about pre-construction processes or whatnot. They can suggest these, you know, thirty-five steps. We can look at it and go like, huh, we we you know some of these steps we definitely don't do not applicable because it only happens, you know, we only do it if you're in an earthquake, you know, you know, um, um, environment, but there are a few things that they suggested that we don't do. So let's do, let's use them. Let's incorporate them. Or we wanted to, you know, sort of flip it around and it inspires to do something else. Maybe it inspires to do something different or the opposite of even, but the idea is that it really sort of becomes like a, you know, um, a base, like you said, you know, absolutely likely start there is much, much faster and more efficient. Um, and so our role, um, may, may very well keep evolving. Like you said, you know, and for 30, uh, you know, plus years, keep things just keeps changing and changing and changing. And this is just going to keep doing that. Right. It, It absolutely is. It's just the next phase of technology change. And, uh, We've got to, yeah, we've got to embrace it. And it's, like I said, it is definitely not going away. Yeah. And um, it, it can, absolutely. We humans, how many times have we ever just sat and stared at something? We can't get going on it. And like, oh, I am wasting my time. <laughs> I, I should be, yeah. okay, I, I need to do something else because I'm not getting anywhere with this. Well, that's where AI can really make us much more productive. If any tool, if used properly, can really enhance our daily life. Mm-hmm. Do you think that um, students will be able to use AI um, positively, you know, in their portfolios? Definitely, I, I think they. I think they can. Um, I think you know when they are if they can when they're looking for um an overview say 
let's say let's say you're a graphic design student and you've got terrific examples of your work amazing examples of your work but you want to uh, talk about it and sometimes graphic design students are not necessarily students that write a lot they mm, create okay. a lot right they create a lot so you might think I, I want to describe what I'm doing here and I need help getting started and I want to put that description under my work in my e-portfolio and they could use AI for kind of getting them started with that description kind of a thing. And they're like, oh yeah, that's perfect. And then, okay, now now, I, now I'm there. And then they can put their own personality into that because they sometimes don't always know how to write about what they have created. Yeah, yeah. I also kind of kept thinking about um, some of the ways that um, – I can see, you know, AI really helping with generating reflective prompts for students, you know, like almost kind of like the idea of, you know, a student having put in their work. It could be a paper, it could be an experience, it could be whatever, you know, an event. Um, and that, um, or it actually even like, you know, you were saying before, actually I'll go back to where you were saying before, you know, students have taken... Uh, what was it, um, you know, a report and or an analysis of a business or something mm -hmm. like that, right? At the end of the project, you're having them do a reflection in two minutes of a video. Right. I can also see how AI could take that report and be like, oh, this is really interesting. Ah. Here are some follow-up questions that are specific to the report that you just wrote, right? Um, and it's questions. It's not even answers, you know, just to ask you, you know, like, Hey, what's, so what's next after this? Um, I think those are potentially really interesting areas because oh. I almost feel like that sometimes as a faculty member, you know, that's a heavy lift actually by faculty. Um, if you have 20 students or 30 students or what have you, you know, to come up with those questions for each student. Yes. Um, it's, it's quite a lot of work. And sometimes, you know, you, it takes a lot of effort to go through it in order to get there. I could see in, in situations where, you know, a more real time and more automated way of potentially being able to ask those questions. Look, it doesn't come from your professor, but it gets you further so that by the time the professor looks at that interaction can be like, ah, but here's the critical question okay. that you didn't ask, right? So, right. so that's a, I think that could be a really interesting that's, area. That's very interesting. And I'm, you know, of course, the AI tools are going to have to get a little bit more robust in order to mm -hmm. do some of that. But yeah, we, we've only dipped our toe in the water uh, with, with this technology. It's, it, it's, um, it's a brave new world. Definitely. All right. Well, thank you so much, Kathleen, for sharing all of your insights and, uh, and your experiences and your journey with us today. Uh, what, a, what a lovely way to, um, to sort of see, 
you know, the connections that you're able to make from your earlier career to, to now, but also to, you know, you talking about how you make connections with your students and your students making connections with their own worlds and their, and, and, and the real world and the business world, et cetera. Um, I think that's really fantastic. I hope that um, as you continue this journey, um, we get to, to get, further glimpse of it as we, you know, sort of in the, in the future, you know, in, in the future months and years. Um, so I look forward to, you know, keep, uh, keep in touch and um, following what, what you're up to with your students. Well, you are most welcome. And thank you very much for this, uh, for this opportunity. This is, as you said, this has been fun. <laughs> yes, it, it has. Thank you so much. And uh, I will talk to you soon, Kathleen. All right. Take care. This concludes our conversation. To hear our next episode, be sure to subscribe to Digication Scholars Conversations on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. The Digication Scholars Conversation series is brought to you by Digication, a technology platform powering the most innovative e-portfolio programs in K-12 and higher education. Our website can be found at digication.com. If you enjoyed today's conversation, Please like, subscribe, and share with a friend. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you.